I was going to bring a $100 bill and say, anybody can answer this question, I will give you the $100 bill. And then I realized the question what I was going to ask, you couldn't get the answer to. So I thought that would really be a dirty thing to do. So being one of your pastors, I decided I wouldn't do it. But let's pretend I have a $100 bill in my hand. And I'm going to ask you, if you can tell me how many people were raised from the dead in the Bible, I will give this $100 bill to you. Let's have some guesses. Go ahead. Just, just you know, maybe you would have gotten the $100 bill. What is it? How many? Three. Anybody else? Go ahead. All of them? No. No. Satan it was not, just so you know. Satan was not raised from the dead. Judas probably wasn't either, uh, to name a few. So not everybody. That's, no, you wouldn't have gotten the $100 on that. Anyway, anybody else? How many people? Pardon me? No, there were 5,000 that saw Jesus, but they weren't raised from the dead. There were 5,000 that uh, actually it says, actually in Corinthians, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, it said there were actually, I think it says 5,000 uh, saw Jesus resurrected. 500, yeah, I'm sorry, 500, yeah. I, I, we had an extra zero on there. But anyway, uh, that's where the passage is. It's in uh, chapter 15 of uh, 1 Corinthians. It said, because they were talking about the resurrection and, why, and Paul was saying why it was verified and there were over 500 people that saw him and not over 500 people can have a hallucination. You know, I did a lot of hallucinatory drugs when I was, before I got saved uh, in the Santa Cruz Mountains in California. But I can tell you, none of my commune friends ever saw the same we never had the same hallucinations, okay? We had hallucinations. So that could never have been a hallucination. That's why we know Jesus rose from the dead. It was verified. But anyway, thanks. That was good. Uh, anyway, we've got three. Anybody else? He said all. Oh, they're both wrong. Anybody else? Well, how many? A hundred. Good guess, but not right. Okay, remember I said nobody can get this answer right. Anybody else? Fourteen. Good, really good guess, but not right. Anyway, anybody else? Two, ten. Okay, we got a lot of good guesses. That's why I said I didn't want to be mean and hold the $100 up and, and then have to stick it back in my pocket. So let me, I'm going to show you the resurrections that are recorded in the Bible, and I'll also show you why we don't know the exact number. Now, if I were to say, how many times does it tell of people being resurrected in the Bible? Then that you could answer. And I would have lost my $100 because eventually somebody would have got it. And, uh, and so I'll tell you what the answer is ahead of time. The answer is 11. So how many, you said how many? Yeah, you were only three off. That's pretty good. Yeah, close. But I didn't, that wasn't the question I asked. The question I asked is how many people resurrected. Okay, now I'm going to show you this up on the screen. Uh, first, of all, uh, first of all, I'm going to show you the Old Testament. There's three, uh, three examples of people being raised from the dead in the Old Testament. We've got it up here. You guys can jot this down. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I've got to get into chapter 11 of John. But you can see the widow of Zarephath's son. Uh, that was Elijah who raised. It's really interesting. He comes to the widow. She doesn't have any food. She's about to die. He says, make me a, you know, she just had a little oil and a cake. She said, make me one. And, and he said, well, she said, I was going to make it for my son and I, and then we we're going to eat it and die. And he goes, no, make it for me. Anyway, and he says, when you do, the, the flour and the oil will continue. It won't run out. And that's exactly what happened. She gave it to the prophet. The oil and the, and, the, and, the, uh, and the flour did not run out. Now, it's really interesting. 
Do you remember when Elisha, he was the follower of Elijah, and he received the anointing. What, what anointing did he receive from Elijah? Does anybody know? Double portion, double portion. So it would be, it would seem to me that maybe then Elijah would have two, two resurrections from the dead, right? If Elijah had one, Elisha would have two, and he did. The first one, it's interesting. The second one he probably didn't know about, but the first one he did. The first one here is the Shumanite woman's son. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting, honey, could you grab my glasses in the little, in the front pack of that, in the front part of the pack, the front part, Yeah. Uh, anyway, the Shumanite woman, he did that. Uh, the son was dead and basically had a headache and it got worse and worse and he died. Thank you, Jim. And, uh, and uh, you're not honey, but thank you. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to read this to you. I want to read this, not this story, but I want to read the second one because this is Elijah's second, second uh, it's actually uh, in second. Kings, and you can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it real fast. Actually, just put it up on the screen. I'll read it off the screen. I don't have to try to find it. Um, but anyway, the, it, the interesting story is that what was happening, the Moabites were coming down. They were digging this grave for this guy, and the Moabites were coming, and they thought they're going to steal the body, and we're going to get in trouble. And, you know, and so what they did was they threw the body into the grave. Here it is. <laughs> Elisha died, they buried him, and the, the raiding bands from the Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, they suddenly spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. When the man was let down and touched the bones of Elijah, guess what happened? He, he, he came back from the dead. He revived and stood on his feet. I think that's a great story. Could you imagine how the grave diggers felt? It doesn't tell you. But could you imagine the grave diggers throwing him in the thing, hiding, and all of a sudden the guy comes up out of the grave. I'm sure they wet their pants on that one. Because, I mean, think about it. That, that would just shock you. You know, I just think it's a great story. So Elijah actually raised two people from the dead. He probably didn't know about the second one. But uh, it just, you know, he had a double portion of the anointing. And uh, so there you go. Okay. Okay, now, the New Testament, I'm going to go through this fast because I want to get to chapter 11. The New Testament, uh, we've got, here we're going to list the New Testament, and you'll see there's 11 times that it's, that it's announced, but I'll tell you why you don't know how many people. First of all, uh, go ahead and put up uh, that other uh, slide, if you would. Okay, notice here, we've got the widow of Nain's son. This was Jesus uh, raised, raised the son. And then there was Jairus' daughter. You probably remember that story. And uh, Jesus raised that girl from the dead. Then there was Lazarus of Bethany, which we're going to do tonight. We're going to go into in depth. That was, that was number six. Number seven is various saints in Jerusalem. Now this is, go ahead and put that scripture up too, if you would. I'm, I know I'm work, overworking you back there tonight, but uh, it's going to take me a while to find it. And I feel like I got to rush. So uh, notice here it says, and the graves were open. Now this is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is a weird passage. I, uh, you know, it says, and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep Sleep. And whenever it says falling asleep in the Bible, they're talking about dying. That's, for some reason, that was a term they used for dying. Uh, who were, were, were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, <laughs> one thing is for Jesus to rise from the dead. But could you imagine yeah, Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally are walking around? They died like a few years ago. And here they are walking around in the city. Uh, I mean, it must have been a wild time. That's all I'm saying. It must have been a wild time in Jerusalem. And so... Now, here's why you don't know how many, because we don't know. It doesn't tell you how many. It says various saints. We don't know how many. That's why nobody could have gotten the $100 bill. And, uh, and so it goes on to say, to, 
No, you can go back to Tabitha. The Tabitha. Uh, so anyway, this is Tabitha. Uh, that's Dorcas uh, was the, her Greek name. Uh, what would you rather be called if you were a woman? Uh, how many would rather be Tabitha? How many would rather be Dorcas? One person, okay. You must have been called a dork when you were little then. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anyway, okay, now, let's look at the next one, Eutychus. Eutychus is a great story. Now, these, these people were, were, you know, were raised from the dead under Jesus, but then you have actual uh, disciples that raise people from the dead. We've got uh, Eutychus. Eutychus was actually, I'm sorry, Tabitha was raised by Paul, not Jesus. Tabitha was raised by Paul, and then Eutychus was, Paul was preaching. And I don't think Paul was a very good preacher. He wrote great letters from prison, but he couldn't have been a very good preacher because Eutychus was sitting in the window on the third story, and he fell out and he died. Paul put him to sleep with his preaching. But anyway, he fell out, died. Paul went down and laid on top of him. And in fact, that's what Elisha and Elijah did too. They actually put their bodies upon, upon the other person. And, and anyway, Eutychus was raised from the dead. And uh, it's funny, the scripture there, you can check it out later, but it says, and they were not, they, they actually had church till dawn. And it says, and they were not a little excited or something. In other words, it, it plays it down. But you can imagine how excited they were. Somebody's raised from the dead that uh, I'm sure they don't remember what Paul preached on, but they remembered that resurrection. That was a powerful thing. Uh, anyway, there were also uh, babies resurrected. This is in Hebrews 11. If you have that scripture, if you don't, don't worry about it. But it just says that women uh, who had lost their children, they, they, were, they were raised from the dead. And do we have that scripture or not? Kind of wave at me. No, we don't. Okay. We don't have it. So uh, anyway, I'll tell you what, I'll read it to you because this is an interesting thing. This is talking about, this is in uh, Hebrews 11, where it's talking about a lot of, lot, you know, a lot of the struggles that people went through. And uh, in verse 35, this is what it says. It says, um, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. So it, it's interesting. So again, we don't know how many, how many uh, were received back. Uh, and then the last one, of course, is Jesus' resurrection. So there's 11 times it talks about people being raised from the dead. Uh, the interesting thing here is, uh, if you look at Matthew 10, we're going to put this up. We do have this scripture. Matthew 10, verses... Uh, I think it's, what is it? Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Now, I want you to read this with me, okay? You ready? One, two, three. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, this, these were the first instructions Jesus gave to his disciples when they went out. Now, notice it says right in the middle here, you know, I get, I get you, know, you know, talk about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Preach the kingdom is at hand. I get that. I get heal the sick. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and cleanse the lepers. You know, you want to reach out to those that are struggling and everything. And, and, uh, but raise the dead? I mean, that's a heavy deal. Raise the dead. How many of you have raised the dead? And I don't mean a little dead lizard that you had that you've laid hands on. It. I mean, actually raise the dead. Anybody raise the dead? You did. Praise God. Tell me. Not by yourself. I want to hear about it because I have never raised the dead. I only prayed for one person and they just, they didn't come back to life. And uh, 
Let's see. Here we go. Tell the story. We go were, ahead. Uh, here, turn around. Okay. <laughs> there was, I was just telling the story tonight in the car. There was this kid um, that I knew. I was 22 or something, and he... Um, he was at a party and he was dancing around and he already had heart issues and he all of a sudden he started having a seizure and he fell on the floor and people thought he was joking at first and then he like started turning blue. They did CPR on him for 20 minutes or so until the paramedics came. Then the paramedics came and did CPR on him and then they gave up and they're like, okay, that's it. This, he's out. He's dead. And we stood there for... I don't know, 15 minutes or something, just praying, no, we're not, this isn't going to happen. No, it was like a youth group. And um, all of a sudden, after like 20 minutes, wow. color came back in and stuff. We were that's just cool. laying hands. So yeah. That's good. So if any of you die tonight, this is the guy that's going to pray for you. <laughs> He's got greater faith than I do. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, give him a hand. That's really cool. We did see somebody revive, but I don't think they were dead. Remember when we were on the booze cruise? Do you remember that? We got on there by mistake, just so you know. So you, but we ended up on this booze cruise. <laughs> Do you remember that? That lady went flying over the edge. Anyway, we, we did a timeshare. They gave us this. It was supposed to be a sunset cruise. And so, so we got down to the docks, and the music was blaring. I thought, that's probably not our boat. And I'm looking around for our boat, and then I show them the ticket. No, they go, that's your boat right there. And uh, I mean, the boat had poles on and everything. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that part. But, but anyway, so later on, they said, oh, yeah, this is the booze cruise. And I went, oh, great. You know? And uh, Yvonne and I, so we thought, well, we've already gone through the stupid timeshare, so now we, we might as well get into the booze. I mean, you know. So anyway, so we're on this cruise, and, and they're going around, and they're with tequila, trying to, you know, give everybody shots, and my wife only had two, and, you know, I decided not to have <laughs> Anyway, 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 what, what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, not really. She only had one. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, what happened was, it was really kind of, this is a crazy story. I wasn't going to tell this, but it's a good story. Anyway, uh, so, so there's music going on. People are dancing, and there was a bottom area. There was a, like a deck and then a hole down below. All of a sudden, this lady goes flying over. The boat lurches. She goes flying down into the hold. So... Without thinking, I jumped down there, and, lay, and, and anyway, I, there was a lady that just got down at the same time, and she has this crystal going like this. And the, the lady's out. I mean, she's out. I don't think she wasn't dead. I mean, I can't say I raised her from the dead. So anyway, I just laid hands on her, and I said, the name of Jesus, I just pray you'll come back. I just pray, I just pray healing over you. And all of a sudden, she looked up and go, she goes, thank you. And then the lady with the cruise, she said, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying in the name of Jesus because that works. You can put that crystal away. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, do you remember the lady got up, and she hugged us, and she was okay. Uh, but she was... She, when she hit, I think she was, part, she was unconscious. So anyway, that's an interesting story. I don't think I've ever told that in church. Anyway, and just so I don't have to sleep on the couch tonight, my wife did not take any hits from the tequila bottle. I think she had, I had a beer and you had, you had something. Margarita? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, we got to bring this back to earth. Okay, you know. It says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to jump into John 11. Ready? Here we go. 
John 11. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there. Uh, this is a, a very powerful story. It's a story that I'm sure most of you have heard. Um, and it's, it's basically the story of, um, let's see, it's the story of Lazarus. Now, let me tell you who Lazarus was. Lazarus was the brother of Mary of Bethany and Martha. You know the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was busy with all the stuff going on. Mary was at his feet. Mary also was the one who, with her hair, she poured fragrant oil and then washed Jesus' feet with her hair, you know, and cleaned it with her hair. And so, uh, so this was their brother. And Jesus knew Mary and Martha well, and he also knew Lazarus well. So... Basically, I'm going to pick it up in verse 4. It says, when Jesus heard, uh, it, basically it said that Lazarus is, is sick. And when he heard this, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That's verse 4. And the Son of God may be glorified. Now Jesus, I don't know why I'm holding this. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> now Jesus, it says, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. He really loved them. He loved that family. He was very close to it. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, I want you to catch this. If you, if you read it quickly, you'll miss it. Jesus hears this friend of his is sick. Mary and Martha are very troubled by it. And it says he stayed two more days. Now, here's the thing I want you to see about Jesus. Jesus was not moved by urgency. He was not moved by sympathy. He was moved by the Spirit of God. When the Father, remember he said in John 5, 19, he said, I only do what I experience from the Father. And so he was on God's timetable. I want you to know that sometimes urgency, sometimes things are very urgent, but they're not that important. And so sometimes you need to know the difference between urgent and important. You need to know God's timing and when to do things. And so I'm sure Mary and Martha were not happy with Jesus. In fact, we find out later that they were very unhappy that he didn't come right away when they said it. In fact, if you go down a little further, it says, um, so basically, let's see, I'm going to jump down. Uh, let's jump down to verse Mm, 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 mm. Let's, let's jump down to verse, uh, well, okay, let's jump down to verse 9. Jesus answered, uh, first of all, I'll just keep reading 7, 8, 9, be quicker. After this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? So in other words, the disciples were afraid for Jesus to go. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. He sees the light of this world. In other words, when you're walking in the light, you don't have to fear. When I go to Pakistan, I'm not afraid because I know Jesus is with me and I know I'm going to be okay unless I do something stupid. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. Now, again, this word sleeps means, you know, it also means is dying in sleep, but I go that I may wake him. Now, his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. In other words, they're thinking he's talking about sleeping normally. He's not talking about that. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Now that seems like a weird statement. Lazarus is dead and I'm, I'm really glad I wasn't there. But then he adds this, that you may believe. 
Nonetheless, let us go to him. Now, how many of you know this is going to be a greater miracle? If he had immediately gone to Lazarus, raised him from the dead, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But you're going to find that he's been dead for four days. And so this is, this is really a much greater miracle this way. And he says this, he says, because I want you to believe. Now, here's what I want you to see. I love Thomas. Uh, Thomas in verse 16 I love Thomas. He's called Doubting Thomas. You remember he said, you know, Jesus appears to all disciples, but Thomas isn't there. They tell him. Thomas goes, I won't believe unless I see his wounds, unless I can stick my hand in his wounds, then I'll believe. And then Jesus walks through the wall and says, hey, Tommy, come on over here. And he goes, go ahead. And Thomas falls on his face and he says, Lord, I believe. And, And he says, Thomas, because you've seen and believed, you know, that's great. But he said, how much greater are those who have not seen and believe? That means we're all greater than Thomas. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're greater than Thomas. <laughs> now, Thomas was a character. I like Thomas because he makes me feel good. Listen to what Thomas says after Jesus says this, after he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, he, said, he says, never, never, Anyway, let's go to him, he says. Then Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Well, let us also go that we may all die with him. That's a man of faith and power for the hour, isn't it? He goes, yeah, well, yeah, let's go and we'll all die. I mean, Thomas was really a character. And yet Thomas was used later after Jesus resurrected. Thomas, history tells us, Thomas was used powerfully to go into all the world and really preach the gospel and and do some amazing things. So I want you to know, even if you're a doubter, God can use you. And God used Thomas in a very powerful way. Once he resurrected, once Thomas got the Holy Spirit, it really changed everything. Uh, So here's what I want to do. I want to jump down now to verse 16. Well, I did verse 16. Verse 21. Look at verse 21. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I guarantee you she didn't say, well, Lord, if you'd been here, you know, my brother wouldn't die. I'm sure she said it with emotion, with anger, with frustration. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, she was frustrated because Jesus had just, he'd taken two days to get there. It just took his time. And she was frustrated. And not only was she frustrated, Mary was frustrated. Look over in verse 32. 32 says this. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. So he's got both sisters ticked off at him. They're really frustrated with him. They're telling him how angry they are with him because he wasn't there. Now, I believe this makes it an even greater miracle because, you see, it wasn't their faith that raised their brother from the dead, was it? It wasn't Thomas's faith, that's for darn sure. So let's go a little further here. Uh, If you look at verse 33, this is where we're going to pick it up. 33 says this, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, there's two times in this passage where it talks about Jesus groaning in the spirit. I want you to know groaning in the spirit is a very powerful thing. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. I just want you to catch that. And then, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. By the way, if anybody asks you to memorize the scripture, I would recommend 1135. <laughs> Jesus wept. That's, that's the easiest scripture in the Bible to memorize. Anyway, then, G- then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. Now I'm going to talk about the groaning in a minute. It was a cave and a stone lay there. Jesus said, take away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of the Lord? Then they took away the stone from the place and the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. See, Jesus always gave glory to the Father. He never took the glory to himself. And then goes on to say, uh, and now when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, and, 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 and it says, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with, grave, with his grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now, can you imagine this guy coming out like this? It's like, the, you ever seen the movie, The Mummy? Anyway, it, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be that scary, but think about it. This guy's walking out. He stinks from, you know, just rotting for four days. And he's walking out in the grave clothes and then they go loose him and he's alive. And you can imagine. Now, to me, that would have brought tremendous glory to God, which it did. And everybody would have been excited about it. But if you read a little further, I want you to see what happens. Verse 45 says, And then many of the Jews who had come to Mary had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. Anyway, they basically plot to kill him. And uh, verse 53, then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. You know what? I got to tell you something. It's amazing. People that do great miracles and stuff, usually they have tremendous persecution. I don't know. I don't think Robbie Dawkins, when Robbie Dawkins was here on the 31st of uh, December, he didn't talk about this, but he talked about it to Mike and myself and maybe some others privately. Uh, he raised somebody from the dead about maybe nine months ago, I think it was. He raised somebody from the dead. And he said after that, he'd never come under such persecution, never in his life did he have such demonic attack and such persecution. Uh, when I was in Grand Lake, uh, I, right out of seminary, I went to Grand Lake. It was a, pretty, a fairly conservative church. Uh, the pastor bef before me had preached in a robe, didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I came in kind of wet behind the ears and excited about Jesus. And, and so I remember we had a mir miraculous healing. This lady had had all the muscles cut right here. And she was a very, very quiet lady. And she had all her muscles cut here. She had some kind of thyroid problem. Or, and uh, she was a young, young girl. She had a few kids and maybe about 30. I don't remember how old she was, but probably about 28, 30. Anyway, she had all the muscles cut here and she couldn't raise her arm. Her arm was like this. And so I remember we prayed for her and all of a sudden she's raising her arm and she's screaming. Now, totally out of character for her. She was just so excited and she's, she couldn't believe it because she couldn't hang up clothes. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't do anything with her, with her shoulder. And so she's just going wild. And so the next morning I had three men on my doorstep furious at me. They said, Jesus never healed in the temple. I mean, I don't know where they got these, you know, Jesus didn't do this. We don't want any healing in the church and you're ruining the, I mean, I thought everybody's going to be so excited. 
I couldn't believe it. This man later wrote, I mean, this guy came against me and he was so frustrated uh, because God, God moved powerfully and did some amazing things. And, but there were certain people, I don't know, I guess, pharisaical spirits or religious spirits. And men, I was so naive, but the attacks that came on me, uh, this man eventually wrote a letter to the congregation analogizing me to Jim Jones and Adolf Hitler, saying just because the church is growing, just because it's exciting, isn't necessarily a good thing. Look at the followers of Adolf Hitler. Look at the followers of Jim Jones. So I was incredibly blessed when that letter came in my box and everybody else's mailbox. And, you know, but I got to say, through the persecution, uh, God was great and did great things. And you look in the book of Acts when God did great things, powerful healings, all kinds of things. What happened? Well, there was tremendous persecution. And so I just want you to know the enemy hates it. He hates it. When, 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 you do, when God does great things through you or when great things happen, I want you to know, you expect a backlash. And uh, Leif calls it the battle you fight after the battle you've won. He has a, a message on that, Leif Hetland. By the way, for those of you who don't know this, we have a conference coming up uh, a week from tomorrow, right? Wow, that's close. A week from tomorrow, start uh, on Thursday night. Uh, it's all sold out here, but there's overflow, and the overflow is great. And uh, you know, and you can you'll probably still be able to come in at the end and when people are leaving and stuff. But but anyway, uh, you can still get in on it. It's a great conference. Heidi Baker, I think, will be here Thursday night, right? And then Leif Hedlund will be. Who's who, is he preaching Friday night or Saturday night? We're not sure. David's Friday night. Leif's Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. Okay, so. Anyway, Leif Hedlund, that's the guy I go to Pakistan with, a lot of miracles. Uh, David Wagner's incredible. Heidi Baker, have you heard of Heidi Baker? She's just incredible. If you haven't ever seen Heidi Baker, uh, it's worth the price of admission just to come on, on Thursday night. She's amazing. And uh, she's literally turned the, the, the country of Mozambique upside down. She's raised several people from the dead, by the way. And uh, she's seen many, many, many healings. Anyway, uh, so the last thing I want to say is you can expect persecution. Now, I said I'd talk to you about groanings. Could you put up Romans 8, 26? I want to talk about why, why would Jesus groan in the spirit? Well, let me explain something. And I don't have time to go into this in depth. But in, in this verse of Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the spirit, it's a capital S, so it means the Holy Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, again, the Holy Spirit himself, makes intercession for us with what? With groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, another translation says, which cannot be uttered in articulate native language is what it means. In other words, it's not praying through the intellect. See, there's a depth of prayer where the Holy Spirit, and, and actually the Greek here is a big long word, something, something, lumbano. It actually means the Holy Spirit takes hold together with us and prays with groanings through us, uh, with groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate native, I mean, uh, our native language. And so basically, there's a prayer that goes deeper when, you're, when the Holy Spirit hooks up with your human spirit. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but that you're, the physical center of your human spirit is your abdomen. And that's proven by the words of Jesus in John 7, 38 and 39, 
where he said, out of your abdomen, the word's koilia there, it's a word we get colon from, different translations, some say innermost being. King James says belly, uh, but uh, it's out of your abdomen shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus hadn't been glorified. The Holy Spirit was not sent to earth until after Jesus was resurrected and glorified. Then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. But what it's saying is out of your belly shall flow rivers of water. This he spoke, it hadn't yet happened, but it would. And so when we pray in the spirit, oftentimes it's, it's at a deep level. Put your hand over your belly like this. On three, I want you to groan. One, two, three. Uh, where's that groaning coming from? It's coming from the abdomen. So when the Holy Spirit hooks up with us, uh, it goes beyond our intellect. It prays at a deeper level. And so sometimes maybe you've been really burdened for something. You, you, you didn't know it. You were praying in the spirit. You were groaning in the spirit. Now there's praying in tongues. There's different ways. You can pray in English under the anointing of the spirit. But, but there's a groaning, which is a deep level. And that's what that's what uh, Paul was talking about here. So oftentimes when you're praying for something and what they did in, in, in the old days, they would pray till they prayed through. They would pray with groanings until there was a release, like a freedom. Uh, and when that freedom happens, then you know you prayed through. There's a few times that I've known I prayed through. One time there was a, a girl, in our, a lady in a congregation, about 28 years old, dying. Uh, they had done an operation. And anyway, we were driving up and we were praying. I picked up another guy. We're praying. We're praying in tongues. We're groaning. We're praying in the, every way we can. We're rebuking the spirit of death. And right about I, uh, I-25 and 470, all of a sudden I had a release. Like, ah. Oh. Something, uh, and I said, she's going to be okay. Well, we got there. It was either Swedish hospital or Porter. I can't remember which one. But when we got there, the guy came out with this thing and he said, you know, about 25 minutes ago or 20 minutes ago, we found the, we found the place where she was bleeding. We were able to stop it. She's going to be fine. And that was exactly, my friend and I looked at our watch. That was exactly when we felt that, that release uh, where the Holy Spirit was saying, but usually you don't know. You just pray. And, and so that's a deeper way to pray. So that's what Jesus was doing when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And, uh, and so it, it's interesting. You can miss these things unless you really, really read it carefully. So I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to let you go to your, uh, Jim's going to give you some instructions, but then you can go to your tables. But uh, anyway, was this helpful for you tonight? Good. I hope so. I hope so. I had a lot of fun, especially telling the story about the booze cruise. I haven't been able to tell that for a while. <laughs> anyway, Father, I just thank you for everybody here. I just thank you for your love. I thank you for your joy. I thank you for your peace. But I also thank you that you've given us the power to raise the dead. You've given us the power to heal the sick. You know, it goes through us. It's not our power, but it's the power that flows through us. And so tonight, Father, I pray that our, our faith would rise and that we would really know that you want to use us to do great things because the kingdom of God means as it is in heaven, it's on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Father, we want to bring heaven to earth, and we, want, we know there's no sickness or disease and, and death in, in heaven, so we just believe, Lord, you're going to help us to bring it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Jim. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Thank let's you. get my hand. Thank you very <laughs> much. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. <laughs> you helped a little bit, and I didn't have to talk about the conference a whole lot. So that, I said you helped a little bit, because I didn't have to say as much good, about good. the conference. Good, yeah, good. I took that, I took that uh, for you. There are... As of this moment, like 151 tickets left in overflow. So uh, I just looked real quick. So there is an opportunity. But what I want to highlight uh, is a week from tonight, we're going, the precursor for the launch of the conference is we're going to do a night of prayer and worship here next Wednesday night. So we will not be studying the book of John. Uh, it's going to be a complete night with Marcus and the guys and the whole team leading us in worship and a time of prayer as we just get ready for what God wants to do uh, this next week. So come prepare for that. But in two weeks, we will pick up with John chapter 12 
12, and Brian Fenimore will be back with us uh, doing chapter 12. So at this time, I'll release you to go out to the tables. And if you've never been a part of that, just uh, I'd encourage you to find a table to sit down and be a part. We're all friendly. And this is a great way for us to continue to grow as family, to get to know each other more uh, and develop new relationships. So God bless you guys. Do you, want, do you want to have a question? Do you want a question? I got it. Okay, you guys got it. There you go. Okay. Yeah, do so. whatever you have a question on. Just ask the leader of your table and they don't know. Don't talk about cruises. <laughs> God I, don't, bless you. I don't really recommend the booze cruise. <laughs>